This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey and thank you for joining us this morning. Been doing the Smart Investing Show here in San Diego on local radio. I'm going to say for 28 years now. I think it was like October uh, 28 years ago I started the, uh, the radio show, gosh, back on a uh, radio station called K-Pop. Uh, I think it was 1370 AM. It's not even around any longer. But anyways, I've been doing it for 28 years. Uh, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, please call in at 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. And as always, that'll get you through if you're unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Chase, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Quite the week, huh? I know. It's a, it's always interesting <laughs> in finance. Yeah, you know, and I just have to say that, uh, you know, people kind of worried about the elections. we got some other things to go about, but I'm just going to change gears here real quick on you. Uh, worried about the elections, other things, and so forth. And I can't give the numbers, but this past week it appeared that the fundamental companies, people are starting to realize that maybe those high-valued companies, I need to get into the good-quality companies that have some good earnings, good balance sheets, and so forth. You know, it, it's crazy. Right now we're seeing almost like a tug of war, I'll say. It's like, ah, these fundamentally strong companies, oh, it's shifting. And then it's like, no, 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 it, it's the at-home trade. We're, we're still in the tech trade. That That's where we need to be. And I can't tell you when that tug of war, tug of war game is going to end, but I'm quite confident longer term, those fundamentally strong companies are going to triumph in that tug of war game. Yep, yep. So patience is what pays off. And again, I went through this in the 2002 bust, uh, tech bust, and uh, say kind of the same thing. It kind of like it looked good, it didn't look good, but it was all said and done. Oh my gosh, tech did not do well, and your good quality businesses did do well. Let's talk about the uh, the wealth gap because uh, this uh, we didn't do this on social media. It got some controversy because it is shrinking. Now, I don't want to tell people it's not eliminated. But there was news that it is shrinking. That's called communism. <laughs> right, yes. Um, and this came from the Federal Reserve Survey, Consumer Finances. They do this every three years. So it's not some quick study somebody else does. It is a long thing that they do. And uh, the Federal Reserve says that it recently published, uh, again, they do about every three years, uh, a lot of surprises. Now, real medium income from 2016 to 2019 grew 9% for Americans who have not completed high school and 6.3% for those with a high school diploma. Now, for those that had a college degree, uh, they experienced a decline of 2.3% in their income. And and younger people like yourself, and I have to say this, that really seems young to me, under 35, <laughs> saw, saw a 13.4% increase in their income from 2016 to 2019, more than double. And this is very important because I think people miss this, especially younger people. More than double they experienced from 2010 to 2016. So uh, a lot of people, they, they focus on just a small group or something else. This is nationwide what's going on. And you are going to have those pockets of things that don't work out. 
But overall, these are some good numbers for young people and for people that aren't college uh, educated. Well, and, and I want to point out, too, we, we, we pointed out the median income. The reason it's important here to use the median rather than the average. And a lot of people, oh, I, I don't really know the difference. The difference yeah. here is the median essentially cancels out. It's the middle of America, basically. So you cancel out the top, you cancel out the bottom, cancel out the next top, cancel out the next bottom until you get to the middle. The reason that's important is because if you take the average, the real high income earners are going to completely skew that data. So the median is really kind of a a good point to really take out a lot of those outliers that can impact the average. So this is really, really strong data, I'd say. And also we, we talk about income. Well, let's also look at the net worth over these time frames as well. I mean, this was just phenomenal. Lower income Americans saw their net worth increase 32.5% among the lowest quintile and then 30.7% in the second lowest. So, I mean, we're seeing gains here for people. Yes. That That's phenomenal in terms of that. And also you talk about the uh, minorities such as African-Americans. They saw an increase in their net worth of 32.1% from 2016 and 2019. And Hispanics, while this number is crazy, saw their net worth skyrocket 63.6%, which compares to uh, white Americans experiencing an increase in net worth of only 4% over the same time frame. I mean, this is really good data to see kind of uh, a dispersion, I guess, of, of wealth among different racial groups, which which right. is great. And you always hear there's so much divide, so much divide. This is a big positive in terms of eliminating that, I'd say. And, and it's so true. And I had one person <clears throat> say, well, yeah, that's because I got to work two or three jobs and I got to work like 60 hours a week. It's like, well, yeah, that's how I become successful. I can't remember the last time I worked less than 60 hours a week. I mean, that's what you do. And the great thing is that they had those jobs. And also too, it could be attributed to growth in business equity among African-Americans was up 138%. Hispanics up 63%. Um, I also did notice that Americans without a high school diploma had an increase of 104%. So reasons for large increase could have been the gig economy, uh, online platforms, along with the deregulation. And also too, and this is surprising, the 2017 tax reform that allowed people and the out of the know, we'll call it, say, oh, that didn't help the, the, the poor. It did help the poor. It did, I don't want to say the poor, it helped the, 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 the lower income, the lower net worth people to bring them up because they had more opportunities with the gig economy, with more uh, deregulation and so forth. And, and the reason that's so important is you, you look at things. Well, if business regulations are very, very high, who does that benefit? It creates moats for wealthy yep. people. <clears throat> By taking away a lot of these regulations, it really allows other people to come and compete. And and now, I mean, gosh, when you, you look at the ability to go online and start an online store. Right. <clears throat> I don't want to say it's easy, but anyone can do it if you know what you're doing. Right. I mean, if you actually know how to market and do things like that, there's not all these regulations you have to jump through. There's all these new suppliers out there that you can work with and really start a business. Once you start adding in regulations, that really limits the ability to start business to the wealthy because they're the ones that can pay for those regulations. So this, I think, is a huge, huge benefit and has been a huge benefit to a lot of the lower income people, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of these numbers, which is great for the economy. And I hope somebody goes to the top of the mountaintops and shouts that out because everybody says, oh, see, it benefits the rich and so forth. You brought up a very good point because who does deregulation help? the lower uh, income person, because you're right, the, the, the more wealthy, sure, we can, we can pay that. That's not a problem. We don't like it, but we'll pay it. 
but it creates those barriers to entry to people to start businesses. And that's why I think we're seeing these numbers. So it, it is just so uh, frustrating sometimes. You talk to some people saying, oh, that's not right because I know Joe Smith, he's struggling and so forth. That is one Joe Smith. You're not going to have 100% of people do well, but you're going to have more people do well. And the wealth gap will never go away. You're always going to have wealthy, and unless, again, you talk about a communist society. But we're seeing improvements on that because of these things. And it's so important to understand what's going on. And that was, and obviously it was from 2016, 2019, 2020. Unfortunately, this whole coronavirus thing and, and the amount of regulations that states and so forth put on, it really hurt those people again. So we need to get away from this. Well, absolutely. And the, the thing you have to look at, too, in statistics, as I talked about with average income, there's outliers that have to be kind of, I don't want to say removed from statistics, but better understood. Right. 2020 is an outlier. If you look over the course of history, 2020, I don't want to say you throw out the year, yeah. but it is going to create anomalies in the data because it is so unique. And this is going to be such a different thing. But the thing is, we can get back. And th- that's kind of leading us to, I guess, the next post where right. we have some good data on the jobs market. <laughs> exactly. We could probably spend all hour talking about the wealth gap is shrinking because it's so important. I, I really want people to share that information. I think we had a lot of shares on social media on that as well. But the next thing that came out that was, was positive, and what I really didn't like was that actually I'm seeing headlines, oh, it's a negative and this is a concern. Uh, we're talking about the headline uh, jobs number of 661,000 missed the estimate of 800,000. Now, that's the only negative that I saw because I looked at the overall res- report. I think it was rather good because the big number here is the unemployment rate dipped to 7.9%. Now, that beat the estimate of 8.2 and compared against August level of 8.4. And there's other positives in this report as well that were positive. And, and I, I, sometimes I get so irritated at the media because they focus on, oh, the momentum uh, of the jobs growth is, is changing. Well, it's one month, and well, you, I'm going to let you share the other day because it's just a, a very important stuff. If you dig in these numbers, you're going to find some pretty darn good things. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry. I was looking at Facebook. Do you already talk about the uh, unemployment rate? Did you bring that up? I, I brought it up. Yes, I did bring that up. Yeah. Okay, so actually looking deeper into these numbers here, I mean, gosh, you said you know the revisions. We talked about the revisions yet. I mean, this was a big positive. We'd looked at uh, a revision in July's report up to 1.76 million jobs created, which was a gain of 27,000. And August was revised upwards by 118,000 to 1.49 million. You add those positive res- revisions to this month's job report, and we're right about that estimate slightly above it, actually, in terms of what we are looking for initially. So I'd, I'd say it, overall, it was a, a pretty big benefit to the economy. I mean, again, it's not perfect, but we're in a tough situation here. I, I would say the biggest draw on the support came from government jobs, which is very intriguing. I mean, again, you talk about the shutdowns. The government jobs actually saw a decline of 216,000. That's what really hurt the report. Yes. And a lot of this stems from, and the report mentioned this, this isn't my opinion, the report from the BLS said it stemmed from people not going back to work at schools. Because mm-hmm. don't just think about the teachers. Think about the administration. Think about the, the security guards on yeah. campus, the janitors. So they're not going on campus right now, so they don't have a job. So a lot of those layoffs are actually coming from public schools. Right. And it is a shame because, again, I mean, a lot of those people, they want to go back to work and so forth, but it hurts. And just imagine if that was not negative. And then you do have the other side, like, oh, they don't have the money and so forth now. <clears throat> well, again, the private sector is really turning things around. Um, and, and I did want to talk about uh, just bringing up what re- really surprised me was leisure and hospitality. This is something that, again, has been hurt the most. 
Well, they had they added three hundred and eighteen thousand jobs in retail at one hundred forty two thousand in healthcare and social assistance, one hundred eight thousand. These were especially the hospitality had the biggest growth. That was the biggest one hurt. And and, and, and it's just showing up. I mean, I don't know about you, Chase, but I, I'm, I'm on the road coming here on Saturday morning at what uh, I guess I'm on the road, like 815 or so. There was tons of traffic out there during the week. Tons of traffic. Things are starting to pick up. I was at the restaurant last night and it was so great. It kind of like this like old times. It was kind of I don't want to say it was full, but people there laughing and having a good time. It's like, wow, we're, we're kind of getting back. We're not there yet, but we're getting back to more of a normalcy. And uh, call me weird here, but I, I was driving up to Encinitas yesterday to, to go to a friend's house. And I got stuck in traffic. <laughs> and I was so excited. <clears throat> I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> I haven't been in traffic in so long. <laughs> you know? and, and, and again, it, it, it is kind of weird, but, you, but you're right because we, that shows that things are happening. And actually my uh, fiance, uh, Christina, she actually drives to work in the morning and she goes, I'm getting stuck in traffic. I'm getting late for work now. And I said, wow, that's great. She was not happy with that comment, <laughs> obviously. But it's like, but I mean, it shows that things are picking up. And what I think about, too, I don't know about you. I'm sure you probably do. Energy. If more people are on the road, what's that doing? It's consuming more. And if we get back with the cruise lines, which I think are coming up, and we get back with more flying, which I think is picking up. We've got the holidays coming up. Not saying maybe somebody will call them with an energy, com- energy company. But that's something that could happen. But let's get back to the jobs report because, again, there were some other good sectors there, too, uh, that actually looked pretty good. So it was overall, it was a very good report. The only negative I could see was it missed the estimate. And now they're saying, oh, the momentum is slowing down. It's not slowing down. It's shifting. That's what it actually happened. Well, it, it, it's slowing down a little bit. I mean, you right. go from 1.46 down to 600. It, it's it's you can't have jobs report of 1.46 yeah. million every time. It, that's just not going to happen. I think that is a complete falsehood that the the media a lot of times is trying to just oh it's not great because things are slowing down. Well, yeah, I'm going to say you moron. You can't have growth <laughs> of two million jobs every single month. That's not sustainable. That's not possible. But I do want to point out, kind of back to these numbers here, is the temporary layoff numbers. They still look strong. I mean, they they did fall 1.5 million, and this is unfortunate. You are going to start to see more permanent layoffs as mm-hmm. time progresses. You know, you see like the airlines; they're continuing to have problems with traffic. A lot of those temporary layoffs are unfortunately going to become permanent layoffs. It's it's just part of the report here. But those temporary layoffs are still at 4.6 million. So there's still 4.6 million people that hope to go back to their their previous job that they had. That's still a strong number. I mean, as I talked about, we had 661,000 jobs created. If we get even half of those people back, that's what, 2.3 million more jobs that are coming back to the economy. So, I mean, a lot of people like to point out, oh, it's not as strong as it was. Well, yeah, and what's going to happen, unfortunately, as I said, is some of those are going to become permanent. But some of those also are going to trickle back into the labor force. And also, too, we've talked about the shortages. I've talked about the furniture situation, which, by the way, I think since last week it got canceled. So they, they no, sorry, we're not, we can't make it. Uh, about the shortages of demand. Even last night at the restaurant, when I go, well, well, where is that nice butter we had? She goes, well, we can't get it any longer because they can't make it fast enough. And the, the demand is so high compared to the supply that's being produced, which means that we can produce more, which means more people back to work. So uh, we are not going backwards, we're going forwards, not maybe as quick as people like. But again, we've never had this happen before. The economy was shut down by the government. I mean, we have never been told, like, no, you can't leave your house. You're quarantined to your house, even though you're healthy. We won't go there. But but again, we do have pause, and I think every single month it gets better and better and better. 
I remember back in April, oh, it's going to take years to turn this around. Well, I mean, that, that's what I want to say here. I mean, the, the way we close this out typically is saying, you know, is this the best jobs report ever? No, it, it's not. I mean, we did see better jobs reports. We've been in better conditions, but this <laughs> is such a unique situation. And again, look at how far we've come. I mean, you, you think back to March and April, as you said, I mean, it felt like there was no sense of hope. It's like, geez, they're shutting things down. It's like, when are we going to get out of this? I mean, since that time, since the shutdown in March, we saw approximately 22 million layoffs in that period. Yes. That is huge. We've recovered about 12 million jobs. We still haven't recovered 10 million. That's very true. But you also have to remember, we were at historical lows in the unemployment rate. We were just on fire in terms of that. I think if we could add you know, another 6 million jobs, and then we add another 7, 8, it's going to be a climb back. It's going to be a fight back. It's not going to be... A, uh, like a uh, just a revision back to mm-hmm. what we had before. I mean, we had some air coming out of the economy. We had shutdowns. They said it was such a different time period that it's not possible to get back those 22 million jobs within the same year. That's just not going to happen. And people really need to, I think, adjust their expectations and think of how this is going to happen. It's not going to be a one month fix. It's, I think, going to take a couple years to recover to get back to where we were. We can get back to right. good, but not great. And you talk about uh, people's expectations. Let's talk about the consumer confidence because, I mean, this was another report that was phenomenal. Uh, the index showed a reading of 101.8, which was well above both the expectation of 90.1 and last month's 86.3. I mean, this is just very important. We As we hit in the holiday season, I think we're going to see more and more. But there are some concerns we do want to bring up for as well for people. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking here, some concerns is just, you know, we you're are trying to watch Facebook. At the well, same time. I, we get, we're we getting get comments over here, and <laughs> okay. you're, you're throwing me off. So, um, but continue with that, I guess, and I'll, I'll pick up after. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so we might continue with it. Yeah. 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 Well, you go back to Facebook, so we can read those comments. I, yeah. So don't we we have a, Yeah. We're, we're getting a lot of activity here. Okay, so. <laughs> so, all right. So, if you're on Facebook, please be, be patient with us. We got a lot of different uh, things going on here. But yeah, yeah. Because what, what what I want to talk about too is that with a holiday spend coming up, they're likely going to spend more money. But you got to remember, things are changing. And the holiday season used to be after Thanksgiving to December 25th, you had a lot of activity. It is now expanded. And actually, uh, I, I haven't been, in, I'm going to Costco today. I would not be surprised to go to Costco today and see Christmas uh, decorations and stuff. I'll, I'll let you know next <laughs> week if we did it. But, but, but they start much, much earlier and people start shopping earlier because they want to get it done. So this could hurt your comparisons to last year because there's a shorter time frame of maybe 50 days, we'll call compared to 100 days. So you got to keep that in mind. We do comparisons. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's going to stem too. I mean, uh, you know, we're not in normal. We still do have COVID out there and that mm-hmm. concern. So people still are conscious of social distancing and so forth. So I think it is, you're right, people aren't going to want to go on Christmas Eve and have a huge packed mall and be kind of subject to that. So I, you are right. I think we are going to see more people. I'm going to do my holiday shopping now in October <laughs> yeah. rather than doing it in November and December like like most people do. So it, it will hurt those comparisons. And be careful of that because I'm sure the media will point out how terrible things are at yeah. that point. But I think we have to look at the overall spend rather than just, you know, oh, November, December, it's going to be as I said, a very unique year in 2020. Yep. Yeah. And and again, I mean, right now here in San Diego, that's where we broadcast from because, again, we do have people all across the country. But I don't know about you, but this hot weather does not make me feel like the holiday season at all. <laughs> no, it does not. But uh, I was going to be 90 something today, yeah, right? It's supposed to be super warm. But uh, I was going to say, too, it is funny you bring up Costco 
I was just thinking, gosh, remember Costco when the lockdowns first started? Yeah. It was so packed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to wait in line <laughs> and the toilet it. paper runs. Luckily, oh, we're, yeah. luckily, we're not in those times anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we have a, uh, a run on on furniture, on, on butter. I mean, all these other things that are, that are important, not just crazy things like toilet paper. But um, let me get the phone numbers. I think then you got some comments you want to uh, address on Facebook maybe. But uh, phone numbers here you want to call in for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about, 866-577. Two four seven three. Again, that's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And if you are calling it with an equity or stock that you want to talk about, be sure to pro- provide the uh, symbol to Brendan, and we'll go over the fundamentals of that equity to see if it is a good buy, or maybe you should sell it, or maybe uh, well, you know, maybe it's a hold. So we'll see. What do you got on Facebook over there, Chase? Yeah, so a couple of interesting questions here from uh, Dane Sweet Tooth. He uh, asked about uh, the Airbnb IPO. Oh, so I was like, oh, that's an interesting one. And, you know, we don't have any numbers on that, unfortunately, but it, but it is important. I think we can kind of talk about IPOs in general and yeah. kind of some things we're seeing with Airbnb that's concerned. Well, and it's kind of funny because if, and I remember with the, because I was supposed to go out, I, I want to say early 2020. And then what happened was obviously COVID and the, the value of that company dropped like a rock because like, oh, no one's going to go into somebody else's homes. Well, it's kind of almost switched a little bit, it seems, in my opinion, that People feel more comfortable going to somebody's homes that is 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 smaller, I guess, than going to the big hotels. And I, I don't have any data on that, but that's just what I've kind of been seeing overall. Yeah, I mean, the the only issue that I see is they have put like a no party thing. You're not allowed to have yeah. guests over, things like that. So it kind of detracts from that. But uh, you know, and the other issue that with Airbnb that we've talked about before in the past is the regulations by the cities. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of times people want to be an Airbnb host, but the city says, oh, no, you can't do that. You have to uh, be in a certain area. If you have an apartment, you can only rent out like half the place. And there's all these different regulations to go through it. And regulations hurt businesses. But I also get it from the other standpoint, too. If I'm a homeowner and I live in a neighborhood, I'm not quite sure I want my next door neighbor to be an Airbnb host that's having people come in and out, in and out. Could be some problems there. So, uh, there are a lot of issues with Airbnb, and we don't like the IPOs in general right. just yeah. because there's no good data yet. And, and I was going to say that, too. You can expect when it does come out, uh, we won't be buying it because it's probably going to be very pricey. The fundamentals won't back it up. It is a type of investment that you are looking at where they'll be three, four, five years down the road. You're not, you're not going to get earnings. You're not going to get a, probably not a good balance sheet and so forth. But it, it, you're, you're betting on the future, and that's what we don't do at our firm is that we don't bet in the future. We invest in businesses that are good quality businesses that have good balance sheets and earnings. So, again, Airbnb may come out and be great, but to understand the risk you're taking is that – and you brought up some reasons for it – is that maybe it won't be the big thing. Also, too, I don't think the hotels and motels going to stand by saying, oh, yeah, that's okay. No, I, I think <laughs> they're, they're fighting pretty hard on that. So uh, it's exciting, but – who knows what's going to happen with that? So very risky. Top of the risk. Uh, yeah, I, I'd almost feel, and, and this is just again a guess, and and that's normally what happens in IPOs. It's a uh, your guess is as good as mine. What's going to happen yeah. the first day? But I almost feel like they would IPO, and it'd be more like the Uber and Lyft IPOs that kind of were big disappoint. The Snap IPO, like that, were big disappoint. Oh, it's going to happen, and then ooh, kind of fizzles out because I think there's so much hype in the pre market for this company that when it hits the public market, a lot of that hype's already baked into it. But as I said, could be wrong. That snowflake company, that went up, what, 100% in the first day? Yeah. IPOs are crazy. That's why we don't get involved. Yep. And I've seen that. My 40 years of doing this, I've seen that many times. And some do work. I mean, obviously, Google did extremely well for people, <laughs> Facebook. So there's some. But but overall, you got to be very careful. Airbnb could be one that does well. 
because I think it is one of those bigger companies. But again, there are some barriers that could be a problem for them down the road. So we'll we'll see. We just don't speculate on that. So is there one more you want to talk about or you want to go to the phone calls? Um, I mean, this one's kind of quick, too, is uh, from Dane as well. Uh, kind of double dip in here. But... Hey, Dane, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just says, I uh, would love to speak about investment apps and education on platform and other communities. Um, but, uh, you know, it's investment apps a lot of times. I always tell people I don't like the way investment apps mm-hmm. are going. I think it gets people too involved and I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved with your investments, but people are checking it every single day, every yeah. single minute. And I talk, oh, I got this new app and it, they feel like they're being financially smart with it, but they're checking things way too often. And it really creates, I, I'd almost say this thing, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I like Mint. I like that as a financial app and because it helps you with your finances. But a lot of these investment apps, they're also bundling a lot of products in there. Right. They have to make some money somehow. So I'd be I'd be very cautious of investment apps. I'm not a huge proponent of them, to be quite frank. Right, and and again, you, you're right. And many of them are trying to just have the activity, trying to make your trade and stuff, trying to provide something for you. But in reality, I mean, we talk about when we invest in a company. Gosh, we hold it for two, three, four, five years. Um, it can be kind of boring for an app because what we look at is the fundamentals uh, and read about the company. We look at the conference calls and and and, and everything else. Understand the business. But these apps are trying to make it exciting so you go back to them. And, and, and I, a lot of people say investing is not that exciting when you do it the right way because it is kind of boring. Yep, it went down. Yep, it went up today. <laughs> but where, and what I get excited about, like, oh, yeah, over, over you know, five years, we average a 10% return. Well, that's not very good. It is very good to <laughs> consider the history. And in the investment side, what has been compared to for years, many, many years, and it's been kind of thrown out, is you compare how you're doing to the 10-year treasury. Well, shoot, the 10-year treasury is, what, 0.7%. So if you're doing 1% per year, you're you're doing better than the risk-adjusted return. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> All righty, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. We'll still take the comments on Facebook. We'll take the phone calls as well, so we'll kind of mix it in. Unfortunately, talk about apps. Uh, Refinitiv, which is known as Reuters Knowledge, uh, is still giving us problems you can still find the information. We got to kind of pick around with it. Uh, it takes a little bit longer, but it's still important to consider that. You're laughing over there. What's up? Uh, I actually do have the company comparison for this first call. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, let me see if I can get because, again, what they've been doing this whole week is that they've been going on and off and on and off. So, uh, and, I, and I tested it. And what is this? NHI is a symbol here. Uh, let me see if I can get it as well, see if it's working because maybe the. Maybe it's coming up and going to work for us. Yeah, there it is. Okay, great. So we got this with this one here. So, so you go back to the, the earnings. All right, let, let's go out. We're going to go out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're in the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. Like always, good to talk to you guys. Obviously, Padre stock is through the roof, so we're happy <laughs> about that this morning. Um, but I was just looking at this uh, NHI stock for the dividend because it seems like it's got a good dividend. And from my understanding, they kind of deal in elderly care. Okay, well, let's take a look at uh, National Health Investors Incorporated. Their symbol is NHI. Uh, a good st- uh, start here, Tim, because the PE ratio is 14.8 versus not material for the industry. Price to sales though, looks very expensive, 8.6 versus 1.7. Price to book value, 1.9, also above the industry at 1.2. But price to cash flow for National Health Investors is 10.5 and nothing for the industry. Now, you bring up the dividend. The dividend is 7%. They use 101% of their earnings to pay that out. That's a little bit high, but you want to see, because obviously you can't use all your earnings to pay that dividend, 
but perhaps we're looking at maybe that was on lower uh, earnings growth last year, lower earnings last year. So maybe it is going to be able to sustain it, but you want to watch that. And the cash flow is a cash flow statement you want to look at as well. Look at the sales. We see sales are up a year over year for the last 12 months, a 9.2%. Industry down 9.8. Earnings per share, we're up 19.6 versus a negative 198 for the industry. The balance sheet, 104 debt to equity, 275 for the industry. So that is positive. I don't see a current ratio. I'm kind of wondering what type of company this is because perhaps it's like a, a like a financial company where they don't have the same balance sheet. But you have to uh, look at the balance sheet to, to actually understand that. Return on equity does look good, 13.1 versus a negative 3. Net profit margin, 57 versus a, a negative 5.4. That kind of worries me because it's so high. Did they sell some assets? What do they do to have such a high net profit margin? And the receivable turnover, 3.9 below the industry at uh, 6.4. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, well, to begin, the, the reason some of these numbers look a little strange is it is a real estate investment trust. So they're, okay. they're held to a little bit different accounting standards, a little bit different rules. So their dividend payouts are typically going to be a little bit higher because they have to pay out a certain amount of their earnings. But the, the thing also is a lot of times REITs have a lot of depreciation, which is a non-cash expense. So their cash flow can look a lot better than their earnings. Talking a little bit more detail about the stock and moving forward, the current price here is $63.48, 52-week high $91.12, and 52-week low $31.37. Now, if I go out to December 2021, we look at funds from operations for real estate investment trusts. As I said, the earnings can be a little bit difficult depending on how much land and buildings they own because of the depreciation. So funds from operations gives you a little bit better idea on that cash flow. So 2021, FFO, $5.54. That would give us a target sell price of $89.75. So I I like that there. Would definitely require a little bit more research. And I'll I'll give you a little tip here, Tim. We uh, actually looked at this company. We uh, looked at this and another healthcare space REIT. We decided to go with the other one, not NHI. And unfortunately, can't give you the one we went with. (laughs) But uh, I I like this space. I, I think NHI is definitely an intriguing company. And actually, we could give it to him if he became a client. Just kidding, Tim. <laughs> oh, no, we would love to have you as a client. <laughs> uh, we're working on that right now, guys. I know, it's, I know. Favorite, <laughs> <laughs> we're almost there. Have a great day, and thanks, guys, for checking that out for me. Okay, Tim. Have a great day. Bye-bye. See you. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. Again, that's 866 577 2473. Let's go up to Buena Park and speak with Jeff. Jeff, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you this morning? Very good. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So I gave you guys um, Cadence Design Systems, CDNS. Okay. Um, you know, they play, in a, they play in a space where they provide services to chip designers. Um, and and developers and I, I kind of have been trying to focus in on that tech but not the high flyer, you know, frontline mm-hmm. brand name tech. You know, is trying to find get closer to the source of where what what really underpins this tech because it seems like tech's doing doing pretty well mm-hmm. um, and got a lot of legs. But you know, the volatility of the of the Amazons or the Googles or the whatever, maybe, you know, might not be <clears throat> the the best price place to pay. Right. And and, and and you brought up a, a good point here because you're looking at ones that provide for the, the chip makers, we'll, we'll say. Um, what you want to actually do is look at what their list of customers are. 
I mean, who does Caden's design systems, uh, you know, deal with? I mean, because one thing you don't want to have, you find out, you look at that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, 50% is for NVIDIA, we'll say. Uh, that could be a big problem if they lose that contract or if NVIDIA changes what they're doing. So we don't have that in front of us, but I'm just kind of pointing to you and everybody else. That's one thing you want to look at when you look at the business. Who are their customers? And it is on the, uh, what, the 10Q, the 10K, you can mm-hmm. find it there. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, let's look at the numbers of Cadence Design Systems because I am interested in this because it does make some sense uh, on this company. So their symbol is CDNS, uh, a, a good start with a PE of 29 because the industry is at 54. Uh, price of sales, 12.1 versus 11.1. Price to book value, 23.8. That's well below the industry at 101. And then price to cash flow is 25.6 versus 34.7. Now, they do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year are up 7.8%. Industry was up 12.2. And earnings per share climbed by 141%. Industry up 12.7. And again, you got to understand and find out how did they grow their earnings by 141%. That seems uh, impossible with growth on your sales of 7.8. The balance sheet looks very good, though. Current ratio, 1.4 versus 2.7. We do see a debt to equity of 30.8. That's better than half the industry at 84. Return on equity, 55 versus 26. And again, that could come from that big earnings growth. There something strange maybe going on that may not reoccur again next year. And then net profit margin checks in at 41.7 versus 20. Receivable turnover is 8.5 versus 6. And then inventory turnover, 6.1 half the industry at 13.9. Chase, what do you got for earnings? Yeah, so a uh, current price here for Cadence Design Systems is $105.32, 52-week high $117.59, and 52-week low $51.39. Now I go out to December 2021, I see estimated earnings per share of $2.74 for 2021. That would give us a target sell price, unfortunately, of $44.39. So this company is still very, very pricey. It's not a big tech name, but I do worry if big tech struggles that this company would struggle with. it. I mean, you start to see like the AMDs and the NVIDIAs, maybe those stock prices start to get hurt a little bit. I think this one might get brought down with those as well, just because it's tied to the chip industry and it, it, it's expensive. Yeah, it, it is expensive. So you got to kind of watch out for that. So, all right, uh, right there, uh, Jeff. Jeff. Yep. 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 Appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, um, I've been in this for a while, so I've got about mm, 95% uh, return or, you know, 195, it's up 95% for me. So I was looking at whether or not it's time to trim, but it seems kind of odd to trim here, you know, when the, the tech seems like it's, 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 it's got a lot of legs to it, so it's kind of hard. I, I do agree with you on the, the yeah. EPS has got a spike this year, but yeah, and, and that's why ask we, you, and that's why we do the numbers because and and keep in mind you're never going to the absolute top, but if you do the numbers and and Chase, you said it was a sell because it's over at the yeah. target price, yeah. So so you sell it or you even sell part of it, it may continue to go up, but at least you said, well, I did it based on a reason because if it falls, which is a, a good possibility as well, you're going to say, darn it, why didn't I sell? I had no reason not to. I I, I got emotional, so. Keep in mind, in investing, we tell us all the time to, to our clients, everybody else, you're never going to buy at the absolute bottom, sell at the absolute top, and it becomes a very dangerous game when you try to do that because you will end up, you, your performance will be terrible. So you've, you've got to pick a reason why you're doing your buys and your sells and stick with that. You will do well. But if you start trying to say, well, but the, the whole tech sector, and you could be right. But if you're wrong, it's like, then you're going to really hate yourself. Yep. So do you have another question oh, yeah. there, Jeff? 
Yeah, real quick one is, do you guys ever recommend, um, uh, like what I've been doing is I've been pairing some of these down, and I found a, I found a long short fund that I really like and has performed really, really well to, to be like the spot where I drop some of this accumulated, you know, profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just as a way to try to balance the, the entire portfolio. Do you guys ever do that or do you really stick very strictly to um, just buying companies and that's where I go? Yeah, we stick to just buying companies because that's what we look at. We're investing in companies and I've seen some great long short funds do very well for a short period of time. Because, again, they are trying to play the market and so forth. And, and, and they, there's always going to be somebody hot in that area, but it's not always the same one. So we, we, we are different than your, your financial planner, advisor out there because they try to do asset allocation. They try to do stuff like that. We don't do that. We say, look, let's find businesses that we can invest into for the next three to five years that are at a great price, a great product. And if we average 8, 10, 12% on average per year, we're going to be thrilled. I think our clients are thrilled as well. If you start trying to get kind of cute with the long short funds and shorting things and margin and everything else, uh, a lot of times it hurts people. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I'd say about it, too, is we're, we're not just buy and hold blindly like a lot of people. Oh, I'm just buying companies and I'm banking on that for a long term. I mean, we buy and hold at the right price. So once it becomes overvalued, we'll sell out of a company. It doesn't matter how great it's doing. doesn't matter the stock price return or anything like that. Once it becomes overvalued, we sell out, look for something trading at a better value. And the other thing, too, I, I will say is we don't ever do like the balancing, so to speak, where, oh, quarterly, we got to, you know, take profits in one and balance it out. We will, however, look and say if something becomes like 15 percent of the portfolio. Yeah, that's a little bit too concentrated. We'll, we'll pull back a little bit, maybe down to 10 percent would be our, our level of looking at. But we're never like on a time budget, so to speak, of saying, OK, each quarter we got to balance the portfolio. And um, the only time is when a company becomes over concentrated, the balance sheet starts to deteriorate or the valuations are now too expensive. Yep, and, and also too, Jeff, every Monday we go over all the numbers of all our companies, kind of like we, we do here a little bit more extensive on Mondays. Every quarter when they, they report their quarterly um, uh, earnings and so forth, we look at all the financial statements, the conference call, we really understand that business. So uh, it's not, again, as Chase said, not just a, well, buy and hold forever. No, buy and watch very closely because you own a business. Same way if you own that local 7-Eleven, you're not going to buy it and then not go back there for three, four years. You're going to go and check and see, well, how's the inventory? How's the cash flow? What's going on here? Why is this not working? So that's what we do with these public companies. And what's great is that if we do have, as Chase said, like a time to get out of it, we're either overpriced or a problem with it, we can turn around and sell it pretty easy. So it's, it's, it's investing and watching. It takes a lot of time. And, and our, I would say our best clients that we have in our, in our firm, in our investment firm, are accountants because they know what we're doing, but they just don't have the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, oh, absolutely. That, yeah. That's the hardest part is staying <laughs> on top of each of these, you know, and figuring out, is it, do I really want to continue to stay where I'm at? Or, or, or if I sold this, the, the next one is, where am I going to go? Right, right, right. right. I, I want to get, get that capital back to work, but I'm looking around and I'm, I'm, it, they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I forget the number. I did this, uh, I think, about six months ago. As, as I looked to see over the last, I think it was 10 years, I think I, I've done, correct me if you remember, I think I did about 60, 60 buys and sells, and I think about 20% of those um, were either losers or they went way up beyond that. Does that sound very rough? I, and I know what you're talking yeah, about, yeah. but yeah, I don't have the numbers yeah, from yeah. it. But And the point I'm trying to make is that you're not going to be right all the time. 
and, 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 and you have to have a reason for what you did because when you're not right, you say, you know what? Uh, and there, those companies that we've sold, they went, went way up above what we sold it, but we did it for the right reason. And if craziness comes in on either side, well, that's okay because we stick to the fundamentals. We stick to what we do, and, and it does work for for long term. Because you're, you're, people are investing. They don't realize that for 40, 50, 60 years sometimes. Yeah, and I, I did kind of want to address one other thing you said there, Jeff, was oh, I want to get the capital back to work. I'll, I'll, cash is one of the most underrated investments. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, oh, I feel like I need to have it invested. And it's kind of funny we talk about like people buying and selling their homes. Right now. People sold their home. Oh, I'm so happy I sold because I think things are crazy right now. But then they turn around and buy another home. Well, you sold one asset very high just to buy another asset very high. So a lot of times people, when they sell something, they look too quickly just because they want to invest that cash. But don't worry about sitting on cash until you find something that's a good investment. I mean, you know, Warren Buffett says it's a, you know, a no-strike game, basically. You can wait for your pitch until you find something that's a really, really great opportunity. In the stock market, as we know, it is volatile. Yep. So don't feel rushed into buying things. You want to make sure you're buying the right things because you can find some great opportunities in the long term. With that said, don't sit in cash for you know, five, ten years. That's right. not going to help you. <laughs> but you be, you know, be patient. Wait for good things to come yeah. to you. Some great, yeah, uh, agree more. Yep, some great questions, Jeff, that I hope uh, help you out and a lot of listeners as well on, on how to invest uh, conceptually. Already, Good advice. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And Chase, it looks like I, we've got phone calls, but also too, something from Facebook as well, some kind of alternate. Do you have something on Facebook? Yeah, yeah. John just wanted to talk about what about metals, specifically silver. So I thought we'd address that real quick. And, sure. uh, you know, we, we've talked about metals in the past. Uh, we're not big metal guys. <laughs> it's just uh, there's no value to it. I mean, we talk about the like the REITs, we can right. see the, the fund from operations. You talk about the businesses, you can see earnings, the metals. All you can see is the price of the metal. That's really your only opportunity in the supply and demand. Right. Yeah, the supply and demand, and that's what a metal is. It's what the next person will pay for. You cannot come up with any justification for it because it, there's no earnings. There's no uh, cash flow. There's nothing from gold or silver. Uh, it is based, as you said, basically on supply and demand. Uh, and what the next person will pay for it. And and that's why we don't do it, because we don't know. Now, obviously, people say, oh, it's a great inflation hedge. Well, that's been proven. It's really not a great inflation hedge if you go back over time. So it's just something that uh, my, my feeling is more speculative and more of a gamble. I'd rather buy and invest in a business that is going to benefit, maybe like a mining company that can maybe benefit from that to see how they're doing. But you got to remember, too, you do that. Many times still based on the metal as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I did want to point out, it is still an inflation hedge. But there's a better inflation hedge. It's called equities. Yeah. So <laughs> we like to you know, stick to those. <laughs> you know, and now that you brought that up, people say, wow, how's an inflation hedge? We got to explain why it's like an inflation hedge is because think about what you're doing. You're investing into a business that is selling product. What is inflation? Well, inflation is the increasing prices of that product that you hold. So as time goes on, the earnings for that company are going to rise because the price of their products went up because of inflation. So it doesn't mean that you're going to buy it. It's going to be an immediate effect. Actually, many times the immediate effect is that the equity will come down, but longer term it will go up because, as you said, inflation is the rising price of goods and services. And if you own that businesses, you will benefit down the road as well. So I want to make sure people understand that because people say, oh, equities are terrible hedge against inflation. They're, they're not if you look at them as a business. Yeah, yeah. All righty, let's go back to the phones. Again, phone number is 866-577-2473. Again, that's 
5772473 but before we do that I do want to point out uh this month is what uh cancer aware breast cancer breast cancer awareness, awareness month yeah and you have something special on that so oh. I share that with the audience so well, I appreciate maybe, the time yeah. yeah so uh breast cancer awareness month uh, uh for those listeners that don't know I actually started uh, my own foundation here recently I lost my aunt to breast cancer at the beginning of the the year and I wanted to honor her memory by by starting a foundation and what we do is we we give back to women going through this difficult time period by giving them experiences obviously with covid things has kind of gotten derailed. So what we do now is we give these women and their family and friends because our whole philosophy is, you know, you fight together in this. You're not right. alone. You want to appreciate your friends and family. And what we do is we, we give them time to, you know, get dinner and we'll deliver dinner to them and they, so they can enjoy that opportunity. What we're doing for Breast Cancer Awareness Month is, for those listeners on Facebook, I'm wearing a Breast Cancer Awareness shirt. It's my Fighters Fight Foundation I should have worn mine today. I, I know, you should have. <laughs> you should have. But uh, what we're doing is a, a special contest this month. If you have social media, uh, you know you can get a shirt on our website. It's fightersfightfoundation.com with a donation of $30 to our foundation. And then if you post a picture of the T-shirt, you wearing it, of course, and tag our foundation on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be, then what we'll do is we'll give the opportunity for those people, we'll enter them into a raffle. The winner gets a $100 gift card to OG's, which is one of my favorite restaurants. Yes. Good restaurant, so, yeah. Uh, you know, really appreciate the support. If you're not on social media, you know, if a donation of $30, you can still get the T-shirt and help spread awareness for breast cancer this month um, and, you know, do a great thing and, and give back to the community. And I got to say, they're good quality t-shirts. They're not yeah. cheap. Yeah. I, I know you put a lot of money into this. So, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> we, we'd appreciate any help we can get. And uh, if you have any questions too, feel free to reach out to me um, about the foundation as well. Great. Alrighty. As I said, let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to Tara San and speak with John, who's been waiting very patiently. John, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Oh, you read my mind. I am being very patient today. <laughs> How y'all doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, doing well. Been a long time no no here. No yeah, I recognize that uh, accent. But, uh, yeah, yeah you, you hear that Texas accent coming <laughs> yes. in. I tell you, I just can't get rid of it. No matter what part of the world I travel, uh, Texas is always inside me. So, well, gentlemen, hey, uh, just uh, enjoyed hearing your show as usual and uh, love your varied content there. Uh, I did have that one company, IPG. I got on your favorite show, Fast Money. You know, I know oh, how yeah. much y'all enjoy <laughs> Fast Money. But I, one of the um, one of the investment advisors mentioned about IPG because of the, I think it's called Interpublic Group, a advertising firm. Not real familiar with them, but they. She mentioned the uh, the dividend around six, almost six and a half percent, a PE pretty low. So in in honor of y'all's uh, value investing. That's what I uh, thought about you guys because uh, they said it was value for the P was around, I think they, she said around 10 or something mm-hmm. like that, 8 or 10 or so. Yeah, it could be the four. So, yeah, so and, and just long, not, you know, not a, a quick hit. And that, that was sort of an oxymoron there because they said fast money, but this is <laughs> advisor was talking about, you know, looking down the road for you. So, right, thought, right. Mm. not a fast gain, but not a fast gain. <laughs> exactly. And actually, fast money, I, I listened to the halftime report in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and, and you have to understand where they're coming from because oh, they, they, uh, CNBC does do a good job of mixing up with value investors and, and mm-hmm. momentum investors and different things and right. so forth. Technical, so, yeah, technical. All that, so, so, yeah. so you got to understand where they're coming from to see if mm-hmm. you like that advice or not. But let's take a look at uh, Interpublic Group of Companies Incorporated, symbol is IPG. Good start here. Now, the, the trailing 12-month PE is 15.1. She may have been talking about the the Ford PE, but the trailing 12-month is 15.1, yeah. which is still pretty good. Prices, yeah, I meant the Ford. Yeah, the, the Ford. I think is what she was talking about. Yep, yep. Uh, price of sales looks good. 0.7 versus 1.3. 
Price to book value, not material, but that's the same as the industry. And we don't like seeing that because it means you take away um, all the intangible assets. Uh, you have really no value to the company. So that, that does concern me a little bit. Uh, we do see price to cash flow is 9.1, about the same as the industry at 9.3. Uh, we do see a nice dividend of 5.9%. They use 84% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, not too bad, a little, little bit worried, but again, not, not over 100%, so that's good. Unfortunately, sales year over year are down 3.1%. Industry fell by 5.5%. Mm-hmm. Earnings per share fell by 30.6%, but better than the in- industry decline of 100%. Look at the balance sheet. you got a current ratio of 1 versus 1.2. That's okay. Debt to equity is a little bit worrisome here. It's 162, which is high. But it is a high debt industry of 229. So you really want to understand that high debt. I it does worry me. I don't think I've ever bought a company with that high debt to equity. Uh, so be very careful there. We do see return on equity is 18.6 versus a negative 0.6 for the industry. Net profit margin checks in at 4.8 versus negative 0.16. And we do see receivable turnover is 1.8 versus 2.3. Chase, what about the numbers going forward? Yeah, so current price here for the Interpublic Group of Companies, $17.41. 52-week range here, the low is $11.63, and that high is $25.20. Now what we do, if we go forward, we're looking at 2021 is the, the year we're looking at. The average estimate for earnings per share, $1.74. That would give us a target sell price of $28.19. So it is very attractive in terms of that forward valuation. But I would say the big concern, of course, is that balance sheet. The other thing is advertising. I, I know advertising is very, very important to businesses, but you know what do they get involved with? I, I saw kind of a little bit of the summary. They, they help with brand identity. They do the online advertising. They'll be like an agency for you. So I, I'm very curious kind of how they've been impacted by this, who are their customers as well. Because if you have a lot of uh, car dealerships, let's say they were crushed earlier, how are they going to spend on advertising? So I want to understand their relationships a little bit more. But to be honest, the the debt to equity does scare me a lot. Yeah, Yeah, I think she was talking about how the... um you know, in the past or the six months and stuff, to how it's just been taking a whack, the whole advertising thing. But you're just looking long-term how it will more than likely come back. And yeah. But like you said, the debt is a issue. But, uh, you know, and that dividend while you're waiting and with the Ford P. So, you know, it's a possibility, but uh, yeah. we shall see. But had, had you all seen this group uh, before? Or have, you, have you ever looked at this or have you heard of them? I don't think I've seen it before. No. Yeah, no, I hadn't no. either. So. Yeah, but, yeah, I haven't uh, seen it. And then the other thing I did want to say, too, is I completely agree. Advertising will come back. There's, yes. there's no doubt about exactly. that. But the problem is, when will it come back? And if it is 2021, middle of the year, Maybe they have a big debt payment come due. They can't afford that. That's what hurts them. So right. that's mm-hmm. one thing we always oh, cost us. What, what do you think about consolidation within advertising? Do you think there will be quite a bit of that? Or, you know what I mean, as that, far as that, that, that very well could happen. But again, I, if you yeah. have that much debt on your balance sheet, you're yeah. not going to be yeah. going to yeah. consolidate because nobody wants to take that debt. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I mean, I will say we have seen consolidation a lot in like the uh, TV studios and, yeah. and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Facebook, that's a new advertising platform. A lot of people, I think, can yeah. smaller businesses do it on their own yeah. now, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. But uh, it's an interesting industry, as as are all industries. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would just be cautious with that debt. 
Yeah, and then just one one final thing, just uh, for for probably for all your clients and for uh, others involved, and myself here. But and you may have may have already answered, and I just haven't heard it. But with this whole COVID and everything going on, has that has that uh, and then you know the whole the quote unquote new normal. Uh, if I hear that one more time, I'm gonna you know. Yeah, anyway, you I'm glad say, you said uh, it. <laughs> yeah, but do you think that has that is that going to change at all your perspective as far as that 16.5, et cetera? With with, with, you know, with the way things are being done, both, you know, at home, at work, everything. And uh, is that going to change anything with, uh, with, with from, from y'all's perspective, from fundamental basis as far as the PE, et cetera? It, it actually should not because that, that, that stays pretty uh, stable there. And, again, we're looking okay. at very long term. It's not like a short-term thing that we sure. do. And, it's just, okay. and again, we're not trying to shoot for the stars. And we're talking about the 16.2 multiple times the earnings to get that target sell price. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it is a conservative one. But, again, that's who we are. We're not trying to you know uh, double somebody's money in a year and then, oh, sorry, we lost it all. So the 6.2, it could change maybe a little bit. but Yeah, and I, I, think, I think you kind of answered the question, uh, your, your preface there. Uh, by saying, you know, you don't really like this new normal. This is not normal. I, I, right. I, I can't <laughs> right. stand when people say that, you know, right. being on lockdown and not leaving our homes, that's not normal. And we'll get back to a reopening. Well, and well. <laughs> the problem is a lot of these at-home companies that have these huge valuations now, what yep. happens to that when all of a sudden we go back to yep. the old normal? <laughs> yes, yes. I hear you. Well, like I said, there's only one way to to prevent that new normal, if you know what I mean. So, <laughs> we know what you mean. And you said that vote, new normal vote, three know times. Know why you're John. voting. So, anyway. <laughs> all right, John. Well, God bless you. Thank right. you so much for your help, guys. You do. Thanks for calling. Mm, bye bye. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line 866 577 2473. Again, that's 866 577 Two four seven three, and by the way, you can follow us on Facebook. We are on Facebook Live now, but you can follow us on Facebook also by going to Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. I think we we do this on my personal page. I think is that how we we broadcast this? Correct? Or is it on uh, it's Smart on personal Smart Investing, our company page. Okay, so, so it is being live on that. Okay, because yeah. I thought we are just doing it. Okay, good. Okay. No, I, I, got, I got it covered. You got it covered. Okay, good. I, I, I just sit here and it's like, I know it's there. That's, that's why I kind of was fumbling around at the beginning of the show was I had to share it all in the different places. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. Okay, so, um, and, but again, when you, when you, you actually follow us on our Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey, you get notified every time a new post goes up, daily economic posts, the radio show updates as well, upcoming webinars, new uh, podcast episodes, and much, much more. And also to our podcast, uh, we don't talk about this very much, but our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, now available on Amazon Music as well. A lot of people picking up our show and uh, also directly on our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. So a lot of different places you can pick up the show. All righty. Uh, gosh, uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Uh, I was wondering... Um uh, uh, BP, I've followed him for a while, and it seems like that whole industry right now is down. And at paying seven percent dividend, uh, I think it'd be a good uh, stock to watch for a while. Uh, yeah, and, and unfortunately, I picked on BP. I don't know what you have on this chase. It is a foreign uh, company, uh, so I, I'd have to do so many things. I'm so afraid because Reuters is working good with a comparison page. I'm afraid to try anything else with it. Um, I don't know if you can pull up something on that there as well. Yeah, maybe if you want to, do you have Yahoo still pulled up? 
Uh, yeah, you, you know what? Let me look at Yahoo. See what I see yeah. there. And while you do that, uh, I'll give some things going forward here for you, Jim. Uh, so looking at BP here, current price two dollars seventy seven cents. Uh, as you said, it, it's just been beaten up. Energy is completely out of favor right now. You can see that by the fifty two week high of six dollars and seventy four cents, and fifty two week low right near that at two dollars and seventy three cents. Now, if I go out to December two thousand twenty one, I see estimated earnings per share of twenty eight cents. And that would give us a target sell price of $4.54. So a nice target sell price there, well above that current price. But uh, energy, you just have to realize, is completely out of favor at this time. And that's one reason it could continue to be very, very volatile. And I'll give you some other numbers on the company as well. One thing that worries me about energy uh, on this type, and, and they, they do development and so forth and, and exploration, is it worries me on that one going forward long term. I think there's other companies that can maybe benefit from energy that would do better. But looking at some numbers here that tell you why I kind of worry about it, their, their profit margin is a negative 10%. Uh, looking at their revenue, it's about $229 billion, which is huge. But the quarterly revenue growth year over year was down 56%. We do see diluted earnings per share was a negative $6.50. Look at the balance sheet. They do have $34 billion in cash, which is pretty good. Uh, but they also have debt of about $85 billion. Uh, that does give me a debt to equity of 103%. Not bad, but I'm just wondering in this difficult energy environment how they're going to be paying down that debt, and could they also have a debt payment coming up, which could cause them problems. We do see the cash flow does look good, though. Eight, $18.3 billion is their cash flow. Uh, let me see anything else here I kind of kind of share with you here. Uh, I think those in the part, well, let's look at the dividend here. They, they do have a four dividend yield of 7.4%. Uh, you have to ask yourself, are they going to cut that dividend? I know that was the same thing with Exxon. Uh, they're trying not to, but if they do, I think that will be a difficult uh, situation for the stock and for the company. So I'd be, I, I, I just would not feel comfortable here. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't think we're going this direction, but I mean, if you, you watch that debate this last week, <laughs> quite interesting. But, uh, you know, the, the thing is, one side's really talking a lot about green energy and, and how we're going to get to that. And, you know, solar panels, alternative energy, getting away with fossil fuels. I, I, I do think that you could see a... Uh, even more of a decline in energy if one side gets elected as they try and push more on that. And, and it, it is just a concern I have on on kind of the short term and the volatility of energy. Yep, yep. So it, it, it's just there's other energy plays. We have one in our portfolio that, that I think will do well as time goes on. But right now, I just don't want to be in the, the BPs and the Exxons of the world. Already? Okay, thank you very much. Oh, one quick question. What happened to Ford? They jumped up 7% dividend, and then, I don't know, a few weeks later, zero dividend. Uh, we, we, we uh, Unfortunately, we just, we've just got about 30 seconds left of the show, so we don't have time to look at it. Oh, okay. Give us a call next week. Maybe we'll kind of take a look at it next week for you. Okay, Jim? I, I sure will. Thank you again. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Bye-bye. I didn't realize the show was almost over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it went by quick today. It goes by quick every day. I've been doing this show for, what did I say, 28 years. It's just like, I still love doing this show. Uh, it always goes by quick. I remember a long time ago, I think 20 years ago, I used to have a two-hour show. Yeah. And when they they cut that to the hour, I had a lot of complaints from people like, why did they cut it? It's like, ah, they just did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, great show. Great show on, on Facebook. Uh, and again, tell your friends and neighbors uh, uh, about it as well because we have, we like doing the Facebook as well. Yeah, and I'm just going to give out my website one more time sure. too. It's Fighters Fight Foundation. Yes. So, again, if you have uh, any extra cash flow and can give back to the community, that would be fantastic. That's fightersfightfoundation.com. And 
We'll uh, also promo our website as well for investing. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so very important. All right. There is uh, the closing bell. And uh, Frank Sinatra, I say Frank Sinatra's not, but we'll try to explain at the end. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858 Five four six four three zero six. Again, that's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. And visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information, along investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Refinitive, Thomson Reuters. Closing song is not Frank Sinatra. It is done by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.